here today with Amy Lynn Durham. Hello, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on because you want to talk about, I think, what's a really interesting subject and one that I hear people talk about quite a lot, and that's burnout and how tired people get at work and how exhausted they often feel at work and what's all that about. And in learning and development, in the job that I do, my day job, we do get asked about things like this, about people's, you know, how they feel about their workload, how they feel burned out. So this is a really interesting topic. It is. I I think that it was a big eye-opener for me when I was writing my book over last summer that I was putting in an activity that I had done with my employees to help elevate their emotional intelligence. And it hit me that the reason why it was so impactful was because they were lonely and not necessarily because they had a large workload. And that was kind of a jaw-dropping moment for me, an aha moment, if you will. And the, the way that it came about was I was, I was sitting on, on an airplane and I sort of sent out a survey and I said, hey, what was your favorite activity that we did? And I was reading a book from Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. And overwhelmingly, the employees voted for this team build activity that we had done on the beach where we sat around a bonfire and we shared our favorite quote, our favorite motivational story with each other. And we shared with each other why that was impactful for us. And I didn't even want to put that in my book because it was just so simple. And the fact that they overwhelmingly voted for that as their favorite, I just was like, wow, why, why is this? There wasn't any deep work behind it. And so then I stumbled across um, the Harvard Business Review article, America's Loneliest Workers, and realized that was it. They were lonely and they needed human connection. So, so that was... Oh, sorry. I was just going to yeah, say. No, so, go I was just saying because um, you mentioned because when I was introducing it, I was talking about burnout, and I was thinking workload, and that's quite often what I get asked about. I get people talk about overstretch. That's one of the words they use, and and that seems to be what people think burnout is around. Just that kind of physical tiredness from just doing too much physical work. But that's not what you're saying. You're saying something quite different. You're saying it's much more emotional. It's around loneliness. Absolutely. I would I would offer that to, to explore that if that's the case, if you're a leader. The the research shows that companies are reporting high levels of exhaustion, but when you examine those levels of exhaustion, the employees aren't exhausted from their workload per se, but because they're lonely. Now, I will say I'm sure there are some situations where people actually have work tasks where they're overwhelmed and have a lot on their plate that they have to finish, right? But sure, this is course. just something and and that takes some self-reflection and some time management and all of those skills that we as, as leaders talk about. But I think that this is very important. I, I saw um, in the research that even in the UK, they've designated a minister of loneliness because it's costing companies. Yeah, <laughs> they have. It's costing companies a lot of money per year because what's happening is if someone feels lonely at work, then they're more likely to leave their job within six months. If someone feels lonely at work, they're more likely to maybe have health issues because they're not connecting. And um, it's really costing companies a lot of money. So it, it pays. It's almost like a win-win because you're bringing 
human connection to the workplace. You're bringing collaboration to the workplace. And then you're also not losing money and potentially earning more pro uh, more unseen profits um, by bringing people together in this way and making sure they don't feel isolated. Can we just take a step back for a second? Um, well, first of mm -hmm. all, you mentioned your book and we should just quickly say what your book is. Do you want to just plug that for a second? Yeah, I'd love to. It's called Create Magic at Work. <laughs> and what it's about is bringing heart and human connection to the workplace and elevating employees, emotional intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. So it has activities inside of it that you can do as a trainer or as a leader when you're with a group of people that really brings out the collaborative connection that we need in the workplace to keep people from feeling isolated and lonely. And the byproduct of that is higher productivity and more profit for your company. Well, that does sound really interesting because it is the kind of those kind of intangibles that we do get asked about in the L&D world. And it's not always easy to come up with some kind of meaningful activities that will really make an impact on people. Everything kind of either feels a bit facile or it just, you know, it just doesn't feel like meaningful that you're going to make much of a breakthrough. So that was, sounds like a, a really interesting book, a really useful book. Um, I just wanted to, and I will, I'm going to ask you some questions about it later, just about to get some ideas about what that might look like. But you were also saying about the the idea that burnout is linked more to the loneliness than it would be to necessarily a physical thing. Obviously, as you say, not in every case. But can you just go for a little bit more about establish establish the sort of the chain there, just to make sure that that research is convincing? Sure. So the gentleman that worked on the research was Sean Aker, and he's the author of the Happiness Project. And this came out. Um, it's a Harvard Business Review a research article called "America's Loneliest Workers." But they also, like I mentioned before, referenced Europe and the UK, etc. And what their findings were when they did the data research was that people are feeling exhausted because they're lonely. They equated the feeling of loneliness to the same health effects as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Oh God. Yeah. And without, was, the, without the pleasure <laughs> of that as well. It was eye-opening. Let me get into some of the, the other things besides the 15 cigarettes a day in terms of healthcare costs. They did that in the US. And a lot of people are often blind to the hidden drain on, on the health and revenue. So the, the other thing that they found was lonelier workers perform more poorly, they quit more often, and they feel less satisfied with their jobs. And as I mentioned before, it, it's a very costly thing for companies to have lonely workers. One of the biggest amplifiers to help alleviate loneliness is for leaders to help individuals have shared meaning and collective wins in a supportive work environment. So that kind of goes along with what I'm talking about, how collaboration over competition wins every time because there's all of these hidden things such as this that impact productivity and profitability in companies that leaders may not be aware of when they're looking at a financial sheet right yeah when you say things like that as well it's very interesting how do you find that there's a cultural clash and i'm thinking here in the states i know when i worked in the states it felt mm -hmm. the idea of collaboration as opposed to a kind of just a balance sheet result, did feel like that was culturally not quite a great, always a great fit. Do you find that you get mm -hmm. cultural resistance to this message? I think it's hit or miss. I think it depends on the leader of the company and how open they are to new ideas or to new things. 
I definitely think collaboration is in the consciousness of the workforce right now, talking about it and bringing it um, to the forefront. But there are, I don't know how else to say it, like the old school leaders that want to do business the way they've always done it. And, you know, the saying is the most expensive words in business are this is the way we've always done it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're not open to new ideas and change, I would argue that you probably will get left behind in the long run. And frankly, you're really losing out on what it means to be here on the planet and to be human, which is connecting with people and helping each other have a better life. Uh, how do you convince the, the skeptics? Because there is... I mean, like you say, being against change is dangerous, but then necessarily falling for every latest fad is equal, is also dangerous. How how do you convince people this is not a fad? It is actually a genuinely, it's genuine research. This means something. It really makes a difference. How do you convince the skeptics of that one? I think the best way to convince the skeptics is to inject it where you can in your workspace. So as a leader, who was going to fire me if I did, uh, hey, share your favorite motivational quote and why you're grateful at the beginning of a meeting? You know, that I, I didn't feel I was going to get in trouble for doing something like that. So if you can just start as a leader, as a trainer, injecting some of this into the space where you work, I think that's a great start. And just setting maybe that fear aside of being the one that starts it you'll see the ripple effects that happen and then other leaders will follow suit. That's what I would say. I think that's always a good way of establishing a potentially controversial change is always just prove your case first, isn't it? Sort of push at the open doors, prove your case, and then it kind of spreads. I find in general that's a pretty good technique for trying to convince people. Absolutely. I When I was um, working in my executive job, I planned to leave it a year in advance and I didn't tell anyone. And what I did was I sat down and I wrote how I wanted to make everyone feel when I left and what the legacy was that I wanted to leave before I pursued, you know, writing this book and going into executive coaching. And it was really exactly what you're saying I wanted to prove that collaboration and bringing people together won in profitability and productivity over pitting people against each other. And so that final year, I really, you know, I knew I was going to leave and I really field tested all of these activities that I put in the book um, on purpose. And I, I was I I wanted to leave number one to prove that this worked. And I did. And it was that was one way that I did it. So, you know, back to your question, how can we how can we do things to inject this into the workplace, that was the path that I chose to take. I was sneakily Googling something then and just to see about this um, Minister of Loneliness because I'd never heard of it. But yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't realise this happened in 2017, I think, that um, the previous Prime Minister, Theresa May, her government appointed a Minister of Loneliness. Well, there you go. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, learned something completely new there. I and mean, actually what's odd about it is there were dozens and dozens of stories about it from people like Forbes and Time and those magazines saying about how, and not being sniffy about it, they're actually saying this is how serious it is. That's the point mm -hmm. that, that, of the couple of articles that I clicked on. But yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Definitely learning something today. It really is something that needs to be discussed. And imagine now with COVID and, and a lot of people that have had to stay in their homes and work from home and maybe they're they're missing that that connection that they had in the workplace 
you know, this data is pre-COVID, right? So where are we at now with people feeling isolated and lonely? And why do you think that people, you can talk to people and you can see the post, people feel exhausted, but they really haven't been doing much because they were on quarantine, right? So we have to find ways to connect with each other. We grow and we heal through that. And in companies, it comes back to you in winning on your bottom line and your productivity. I suppose as well, we should make the point here, again, that loneliness doesn't necessarily mean in the company of other people. It's not just that you need other human beings within a certain range. It's, well, I, I'm guessing here, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, for me, loneliness is much more about feeling connected rather than necessarily being near other people. Very true. So, I, and, and I guess this goes back to your, your hippie thing on the beach there where you were <laughs> sitting around a, a fire <laughs> uh-huh. sharing stories. So... <laughs> What what made you do that? How would you, you know, you just went for it, had the courage to do it? Yeah, I had my, my team worked in different geographic areas. And I, I just had a feeling that they were feeling burnt out. And so I brought them all together for a meeting. And then I set up, I said, hey, after this meeting, we're going out to the beach. We're going to sit around and do s'mores and have a beach bonfire, but everyone's required to bring your favorite quote or your favorite motivational story and share it with the group. And then I kicked it off with reading a passage about the waves and the ocean and how, you know, we are all here for each other. And so I read that and then each person went around and shared what they brought. And when someone is given permission to share something that's meaningful to them, and other people are sitting around and listening to that person and they feel heard and they feel seen and they feel recognized. It's probably one of the most powerful things you can ever do. And, and what, we had an amazing time. I was going to say, what changed after when you got back to work? What what felt different or what, what was different? You can just see the camaraderie with the group, you know, and as a, as a, as a leader, you get less phone calls that you need to solve because they start calling each other because they like each other. And it frees up your time as a leader to work on even more impactful things for the group. So maybe you have a couple of individuals that you know get on each other's nerves on the team and they don't want to really work together, but they heard them share something deep and meaningful around that bonfire. And they were like, wow, I didn't know he was going through that. And I, or I didn't know he went through that and I have, he's, he's a human being and that's amazing. And then you're, you're out in the, in the workplace and you run into a little glitch. Oh, I'm going to call Joe and, and see if he knows how to fix this because you became closer while you were at that team build. And then going forward, then if we're thinking about this as leaders of our own teams, how do we do that and how do we keep it fresh? Or if we are, brought in as L&D people and we're asked to sort of deal with other teams which are facing burnout what are the mm-hmm. kind of what are the kind of ideas you've got there for how we might build connections with our teams or with the teams we're working with oh yeah that I mean the best thing you can do is start getting creative with with emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence ideas so I'll give you an example I use and it's in my book I use an, an intention setting exercise 
and it's from a company called the Flying Wish Paper Company. And you write what you want to bring into your life on the paper or what you want to let go of in your life. And you light it on fire and it flies you light it on up fire. into the air. <laughs> yeah. So you crumple up the tissue paper and then you put it on a little platform and you can announce to your coworkers what you chose to let go of in your life or what you want to bring into your life. I mean, you can do this with company goals. You can do this with financial sales goals. You can do this. I had an employee share with us that he finally wanted to forgive his parents and everybody just stopped and had a moment with him and let him light that on fire and it burns down and then it flies up in the air out into the universe. If you have some sort of tangible activity that you can do to bring people together in that way, it is so impactful and it pays you back leaps and bounds. I had a CEO of a very large company, had a horrible uh, 2018. At the end of one of his meetings, I, I, I brought this, I didn't tell him, I had it in my backpack. And I said, hey, I have this intention setting in, in my backpack, would you like to use it at the end of the meeting? So he stood up in front of an entire crowd and he just wrote on the piece of paper, 2018, I'm letting this go. And he lit it on fire in front of the group and it kind of flew up in the air. And just everybody standing around and watching him have that release took pressure off the team as well. Like we can let this go too. We had a bad year, but we can move forward now together as a group. Uh, when you were giving the example there of the person saying is forgiving his parents, I found that really quite emotional. I actually really kind of felt tears and that would that would really be quite moving. And the CEO, I guess, with that with 2018 as well, that could be quite a big moment. Do you always get something that fundamental, that deep, that moving? Or are people maybe playing a bit a bit more superficially? <laughs> That's the beauty of this is you can let everybody come to the exercise from the space that they're operating in in the present moment. So it was very emotional when that employee on our team did that. But in that same exact exercise, we had another employee say he was going to forgive his football team for losing the other night in the game. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not and doing so that. Mine lost at the weekend. I'm not doing that yet. I'm not ready to face that yet. <laughs> All right. Well, when you're ready to face it, let me know. I'll send you some, some flying. <laughs> you yeah. can light it on fire and send it in the air. <laughs> but yeah, that's the beauty of this is you don't have to. No one has to feel pressure to be super deep. They just come as they are, um, no blame, no judgment, a safe space. If you want to let go of the anger you have from your favorite team losing their game, you can do that and we'll have a laugh with you. If you want to forgive your parents with us and you feel safe to do that, um, you can do that as well. And that's what was so cool about it. Or like I said, if you're the CEO of a company and you want to just stand up and make a statement that everyone can really feel with a tangible visual um, aid, then you can do that as well. In order to make that work, there's got to be a certain amount of psychological safety, I guess, for people feel that they can do something which is quite unusual physically, just in the fact that there's fire involved, which we'll just go into in a second, but <laughs> explain how that passes safety laws. But um, just in the kind of the other way it might be dangerous is revealing that much of yourself, of course. And a lot of us wouldn't necessarily want to do that in a group at work. How do you kind of create the safety space? safe space for that to happen? Yeah, that is a really great question. And it's by starting to do these things continuously as a part of your meetings 
and just slowly injecting it into your team and into the workplace. So maybe you start off with, hey, you know what, we're going to try something a little bit different this week. And when we start off our meeting on Zoom, or if it's in person, we're going to go around and have everyone share one thing they're grateful for, for the week. That's a great start. Why don't we just go around the room and, and share one thing we're grateful for? Or another way to create psychological safety, if you want to use baby steps to start doing some of these activities, is you share you have employees share a loss in the workplace. So something they maybe tripped up on last week or they feel like they made a mistake on or, you know, I, I tried this and it really didn't work and I feel like I failed. That, giving them that space to, hey, it's okay, you know, and then share a win now. Something like that is a real great starting point and then share something you're grateful for. If you go around the room and kick off a meeting like that, that kind of opens up the space and you're, any meeting you have as a leader, you have a container that you are responsible for and you're responsible for those people and those human beings growing and achieving in a positive way. So always remember that. And it is not a waste of time to spend on any of this in a meeting. It'll pay you back 10 times over. Well, I think that as you were saying at the beginning of that answer as well is just just start and it won't necessarily work brilliantly first time. But if you keep doing it and it becomes a habit, becomes a normal thing, then, you know, people are going to slowly feel safer and safer and slowly kind of by example, following example, I guess, others will be more willing to share more, more willing to open up more. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the the beautiful things as a leader is if you show vulnerability, hey, this might be messy today. This is our first time doing it. We, I'm not perfect. We might make some mistakes. There's not, nothing's perfect. Let's just go around in the room and try this. The vulnerability you have as a leader, people will step up for you every time. And can you just reassure us on the fire safety angle here with this <laughs> thing? <laughs> yes, I definitely want to reassure you on that because it's tiny. It's a little square piece of uh, tissue and you crumple it up and then you roll it out into a little tube and you light it on fire. It burns down and flies in the air and it goes out before you know it. So you don't need any fire extinguishers on standby or anything like that. You do need uh, responsible adults that can light uh a piece of tissue paper properly but that's about it <laughs> it doesn't sound too bad then <laughs> although in my hermetically sealed office i'm still quite nervous about that i think we'd uh, <laughs> have to go into the park or something i live too far from a beach unfortunately well i'll send you one of my kits and you can try it okay yeah well as you were talking about it i was just thinking about it could i how much of this could i do and i, I kind of it's sort of an odd question to ask yourself because it could do all of it but I found myself kind of almost thinking, can I do this as well? Have I? And I think because it's quite unusual what you're suggesting, it, then it, it almost feels like I need permission to do it. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And my, I would say to that, the only thing that that reminds me of is, and this might be a little bit off what you're saying, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think about that, it's almost like going out and being an entrepreneur and you don't you're not working for a boss anymore and so you almost have to be your own cheerleader and your own manager and give yourself permission to sell your products or do whatever you're doing right so if you think of it in that way 
you can sort of separate yourself and be your own cheerleader to go into the workplace and give yourself permission to do this. Because like I said before, I highly doubt anyone's going to get in trouble for kicking off a meeting, sharing a piece of gratitude, right? So yeah, it's almost I, I, it's almost like the permission is a deep-seated, I don't, I don't know if fear is too strong of a word, but it's a deep-seated fear to be vulnerable and, and be courageous. And you, you might feel that way because you know it's the right way to go. Because fear should be a compass for you unless you're in danger, right? It's like this fight or flight response you're trying to overcome because you're afraid to be vulnerable and courageous. And that means you should do it. <laughs> because that is your compass that this needs to be done right well i think that yeah the idea of being your own cheerleader i mean that's i think truer the higher up you get in any organization because you get less and less support and more and more criticism so you necessarily kind of need your own support network and you need to be your own cheerleader and get good at coaching yourself so i guess it kind of comes into that as well that uh, that same sort of principle i 100 percent agree because part of that, um, the loneliest workers, a lot of them are the ones in the quote unquote ivory tower. And I'll tell you right now, I started doing this stuff. Now that we're having this, this interview, I'm thinking back and I, I, I started doing this stuff because I was lonely. I was the leader and I needed connection. And I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to hold a meeting where we talked about financial data, etc. Um, if we didn't have at least one activity or one modality or something that brought everyone together and recognized the human beings that were in the room before we started. And really, that was probably me projecting that I was a little bit lonely as well, and I needed it too. So I just started creatively coming up with these things. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to try it now. You've inspired me. that I'm, I'm not going to try it. I've got a team meeting tomorrow, but my boss and my boss's boss is going to be there. So I'm not going to do it then. But I will do it in a future team meeting when it's slightly less daunting. Um, but yeah. you've inspired me to give to give it a go. Good. I'm glad. Just anytime you gather people together, just try to think, what can I do that adds a little magic to this moment? Uh, I used to be on the diversity council at my prior job and we would have mixers. And rather than everyone coming and drinking beer and, you know, hanging out, which is fine, we would just add just inject a little magic, inject a little connection. So we would have bowls with uh, beautiful affirmation cards in them. And we would go around and have, you know, men close your eyes and reach in and get the message from the universe for you. And it was amazing to see the impact that it would make on people when they got this message, like, oh my gosh, that is so fitting for me. I can't believe I got this. They hold on to it for years. I get tagged on social media all the time oh my gosh, I just found this message from five years ago. I'm still holding on to it. So oh, it's, wow. it's something that people are craving right now. They're craving it. They need it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it must be meaningful if people are doing that, remembering it for so many years later. Do you have another couple of examples that we could that you could share of these kind of things so people can kind of get a broader idea of the kind of thing that you're talking about? Sure, absolutely. So there's the intention setting exercise we talked about, which is the flying wish paper. And then we did sort of the sharing your favorite quote or, or a motivational story. The, the, I call it the more than spores 
beach bonfire, but you can do that virtually in Zoom as well. Um, we also talked about sharing moments of gratitude in the beginning of the meeting. And then I have, I have one other one that I, I really love that I've done quite a bit. It's called journaling together with a twist. <laughs> and so if you look online, there's, there's journal prompt cards that you can purchase and they give you, it, it, it's helpful for a leader because if you don't have time or if you don't want to sit down and get super creative and come up with questions for someone to ask, you can have each employee draw a card and then they can spend five minutes rapid writing on the prompt questions on the journal prompt cards. And you can also do it if you're one-on-one um, -on -one with an employee, you can write with them together and then you can share with each other what you wrote. So for example, um, I just did this recently with someone and we picked prosperity and we had a couple of specific questions around what prosperity meant for us. And we just said, okay, five minute timer, we're gonna write down what prosperity means for me. And we sat in silence together and we wrote it out five minutes. And then we came back together and we shared with each other what we wrote. And it was so different what prosperity meant for each of us, but just coming together and sharing with each other was an amazing moment. And like I said, maybe the entire exercise was 10, 15 minutes and you can stretch it. You can stretch it into an hour and make it longer, whatever you want to do. But I mean, the amount of time people scroll on social media, just look at it is, is, I mean, 10 to 15 minutes is not that big of a deal to have that much connection and magic brought with another person. You said so, magic again there. Is that what you mean when you talk about things like spiritual intelligence? Uh, SQ, I think, uh, spiritual intelligence. Is yeah, that the kind of thing you're is. talking about when you say ma you said magic there? You said magic is in your book title. Yeah. I mean, basically what we are doing is bringing magic into the workplace, in my opinion. And we're teaching people how to do magic in their lives. And that's the spiritual intelligence piece. And that's that's... I would say spiritual intelligence is going to be on the forefront in the workplace more than emotional intelligence. I think emotional intelligence is kind of an older topic that has been discussed and bringing spiritual intelligence into the workplace is sort of a newer one. But really, I, I love, I mean, my brand is Create Magic at Work, but what we're really doing is people feeling, is helping people tap into themselves. And I believe that everyone has their own answers from within and these are just little tools that you can utilize to help bring those answers out from within that individual so that's what we mean by spiritual intelligence it's that ability to bring out those answers those uh, passions i don't know is that the word when you think about spiritual intelligence the things people really care about yes it's you have the answers from within and it help and it helps you tap into your own intuition and trust your own intuition i'm struggling slightly with the definition of it that's all just to kind of understand what 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 well can you define it <laughs> just so i can make sure i've got is i'm understanding it correctly you want me to define spiritual intelligence yeah please it, yeah okay so it's basically your ability to access unconscious answers from yourself Okay. And use those answers to bring your, bring a richer life to yourself. Maybe live your life purpose. Maybe tap into that. Um, help you be more creative. Help you access 
the things that you can't see, but maybe that you can feel. That's how I would describe it. Oh, okay. Now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it could include things like trying to dig down and understand what your values are, what you, what other things you really care about, how you kind of really, the person you kind of really want to be. Is it, is that the kind of area? Yes. And, and I think it also helps you be more confident in how you feel and in the decisions you make that are right for you. So as, because, as the, oh, sorry, go on. You carry on. Well, oh, well, I was just thinking because actually everything we've been talking about, we've never really given anyone an answer. We've given them a piece of paper to write down. What do you want to let go of? We've, we talked about the journaling exercise. What does prosperity mean to you? You know, one of the great coaching questions everyone talks about is what does success look like to you? Not everybody wants to be a CEO, right? So what does success look like for you? And I think spiritual intelligence is the underlying thing with all of that because it's tapping into someone listening to their own intuition and feeling safe and secure to follow it. And I just have all these fun tools like lighting things on fire to help you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as L&D people and as you know, people in organizations, perhaps in a leadership position, is there anything else that you would recommend that we can do to make sure that we get this, we become sharers of this kind of thinking? Well, I really think it goes back to what you said in the beginning, just start, start and, and make it fun. Like this shouldn't be something serious or scary. Make it fun, right? Start off with something fun. Hey, what, are, what is everyone grateful for this week? Let's lighten up the mood, right? If you, I'll offer one more thing. If you're still in a lot of Zoom meetings from quarantine or from COVID, we've done some great exercises where we've paired ind individuals up. I have a Create Magic at Work membership group. And so I paired individuals up in the group that didn't know each other. And they, we had an exercise called Make Time for Tea. And they connected on Zoom and had some questions to ask each other to get to know each other. And they had never met before. And the questions were really deep connecting questions like, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Or um, what moves you to tears? What's the kindest thing someone has done for you? So anytime there's an activity or a meeting or something on your calendar, just think, what can I do, even in the first five minutes of this meeting, that can maybe bring some elevated connection to this space today, and maybe have everybody leave feeling a little bit better about their life, because then they, they go back to their family or their friends or whoever, and they bring a little bit of light back to them as well, because you've brought some light to them. Wow, well, that's a really nice place to end this discussion, I think. Quite thought-provoking. As you were asking those questions, then I was starting to think, what would I say? And they're really very thought-provoking ideas. So I think that's that's probably a good place for us to stop on that nice, positive, shiny, bright note. Agreed. So thank you very much, Amy, <laughs> for your time and for your thoughts on this. It's it's a really interesting subject and, and certainly not something I've given a huge amount of thought to over the years. So really interesting. So if people want to know more, they need to your book, Creating Magic at Work. And presumably you have a website. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone listening wants to create magic at work, <laughs> you can go to amydurhamexecutivecoaching.com, click on the Create Magic at Work page, and there you'll have access to pre-order the Create Magic at Work paperback version, 
um, the ebooks coming as well. And then there's also a Create Magic at Work membership club. And that is a really great one for trainer tools because every month the Create Magic at Work membership club releases an activity um, that you can utilize in the workplace. Oh, wow. That sounds so. really useful. Yeah, I will, I'll go and do that now before I forget. Yeah. And, um, and you're also on Twitter because I followed you on Twitter earlier today. So. Yes, you can connect with me on Twitter, uh, Create Magic at Work on Instagram, and then, of course, on LinkedIn as well. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time, Amy. I really appreciate it. And um, looking forward to getting my monthly tips. I'm going to sign up now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope we brought a little magic to everyone's lives. <laughs> <laughs>